Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everybody, to Locked On NFL Draft. It is Monday, November 21st. I am Joe Marino of NDT Scouting, joined as usual by co-host Kyle Krabs, who is the founder and director of scouting at NDT Scouting. We are Locked On NFL Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the fastest growing audio sports network in the world. Uh, this is some special stuff that we're building here on this network, and we're just glad to be part of it. Over 3 million listens over the last 30 days, and this thing is growing at an unbelievable rate. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, the show, as usual, is powered by DraftBreakdown.com. It is that time of year. We are getting towards the end of the regular season, and the video archive at DraftBreakdown.com is filling up. So if you want to watch uh, game tape on the prospects that we talk about every day on the show, you've got to get over to DraftBreakdown.com and get your eyes on these prospects for yourself. Kyle, happy Monday. What's going on? Uh, you, you missed a key word here. It's Victory Monday. Happy Victory, victory Monday. And who are you all happy about the victory for? Oh, well, um, growing up as a kid, uh, I was a childhood Dolphins fan. enjoyed watching uh, Dan Marino work his magic and uh, uh, Uncle Dan. have not had a lot since Uncle Dan left uh, to be happy about. <laughs> and uh, I, I've had five consecutive Victory Mondays, and you have a Victory Monday on your hands as a Buffalo fan. You know, and the thing about being a Buffalo fan and celebrating a Victory Monday, it's like... I just need Rex Ryan out of my life. Oh, and um, so the wins are bittersweet. You know what I mean? Like, I want the playoffs. 17 years in a row, we're hitting here with no playoffs. I want that, like, more than anything. But I just don't know if it's going to be done consistently with Rex Ryan. I don't know. It's, 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 I'm always rooting for the Bills to win, but it's like, man, it just probably just prolongs life with Rex Ryan. Dude, they got a winning brand. Running the ball, protecting the ball, not turning it over. They're, what, plus eight? Yeah. I don't know. And defense? I don't know. Good defense? <sighs> happy incons- Victory it's, Monday, it, happy Joe. Victory. It's a dub. Happy, I'm tough, please, I, you know, if I am one, uh, celebrating a victory, let's go with my favorite college football team, the Florida Gators, who uh, SEC East champions back-to-back had to go on the road to win a home game against LSU, and uh, uh, now we have the chance to lose to Alabama in Atlanta for the SEC championship game. Yeah, we got to eat a little bit of crow on that one. Um, I mean, yeah. they, they, what, they scored 16? We weren't sure if they'd score 14? I know they had three points gift wrapped to them. 
Uh, wow. But that was a nice little stand there they had there at the end. I'm just uh, I'm curious, Joe. Do you think that score holds if Leonard Fournette's taking that last carry? Oh man, you know, I, probably not. Probably not. I mean, and and luckily, you know, Florida's defense really kind of nutted up there in the at the goal line on multiple occasions. And one of the standouts that I wanted to mention today was Caleb Brantley, uh, who came into the game. And uh, you know, I mentioned him on Friday that he's kind of that explosive interior penetrator for the Gators in the mold of all the the, the recent guys they've had go high in the in recent drafts. And he's just the next one. And you know, he really came to play when it most counted inside the red zone, particularly close to the goal line. Uh, came away with three tackles for loss in those situations and force a very important fumble uh, to keep LSU out of a, uh, out of a score altogether. Um, so, you know, Caleb Brantley, one of the guys I wanted to mention, he really he really showed up on a defense that was without Alex Anzalone and Jared Davis and Marcus May, their three leading tacklers. So um, just a testament to the depth of that unit. And, you know, Florida's just played good defense for, well, for a while now, and it continues to carry them to now their second consecutive SEC East championship. Yeah, I'm thinking back to a couple weeks ago, and uh, we did a, a show, and you asked me about the state of the defensive tackle class, and uh, I'm not sure how Brantley kind of slipped my mind, but he did. Uh, he He's like the B-plus version of Aaron Donald. Sure. You know? I like that. Yeah. It, it's because he's got a similar build. He wins in similar ways. He's physically very stout uh, in spite of having a less than ideal amount of length at the position. I think he's got baseline length, which is what, uh, I mean, Donald has excellent arm length, but um, really surprised when I looked him up because in in preparation for the show on Friday, you know, I looked up at his stats and for as disruptive of a player he is, I'm really surprised how quiet his stat sheet is. And I think that's probably why some people are sleeping on him if they're looking up the stat sheet there. Right, but if disruption is production, man, he he fills it up in all kinds of different ways. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to give some love to a a name that I am 110% sure we have not – I've got two of them. I'm 110% sure we've not talked about on the show. And um, quick segue here since I'm – no, Victory Monday's got – just got the adrenaline flowing. I'm all over the place, Joe. Um, We got some letter. we got some mail – over uh, the weekend, did you did you happen to get a chance to read that fan mail that we got? Yeah, that was awesome. That was very cool. So um, we got we got a letter from someone who uh, lauded us. Essentially, they, they applauded us for uh, the depth that we bring to the show and just thought that we were an outstanding resource. And uh, you know that feedback was really humbling for for me to get, and I shared it with Joe as soon as it came through my inbox and. Uh, you know, it's really cool because I know that's that's my mission and and that's Joe's mission and is to be as in depth and uh, elaborate as possible and and really try to bring knowledge to not just your top ten, not just your top fifty, but you know all the guys out there so that no matter what we can we could say oh we had notes on so and so from from show X or show Y. Uh, so segueing that into two names that we haven't talked about on this show at all. Uh, L.J. Scott, running back from Michigan State, had himself a hell of a football game this weekend. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, he did. Put the the entire Michigan State offense on his back. Uh, Joe, you're going to like him because he's that guy that you bypass a running back in round two or three or four. 
And you take LJ Scott in round four or five, and you're going to get 90% of the production out of him, then you're going to get out of a player uh, further ahead than him. He's really smooth. He's got a big frame, good leg drive, uh, nice pad level, good vision. He's not the most creative runner as far as in the open field and creating yards. Um, but he's a hammer, man. And, and he he got involved in the passing game. He was churning out yards after contact. Uh, tough running that, that took Michigan State down into the end zone and the potential to tie or take the lead. I wish he would have got the touch on the two-point conversion, but we'll never know. Yeah, that would have been uh, that would have been better <laughs> for sure. Um, and it's you know I always like to give credit to uh, players like Scott, who there's no not a whole lot of other threats on that offense. You know, uh, their passing game's really struggling. Their their offensive line's underwhelming. Everyone kind of knows where the ball's going, and he's still able to produce chunks on offense. And so uh, I give him a ton of credit. Um, I want to kick it right back to that LSU-Florida game and give a little love to an LSU player, and that's Tredavious White. Uh, this guy's having a good year. Um, he quiet came up good year. A, a quiet good year. Probably yeah. one of the best man coverage guys out there. Uh, has all the, the physical upside, um, and uh, he, he's sticky in coverage. He had four pass breakups on the game against Florida, um, and he's physical. You know, he's, he's shown a lot in terms of playing the D-gap throughout the season, and I thought this was one of his best games from a coverage standpoint against Florida. Uh, allowed less than 25 yards, according to PFF. Uh, in his coverage. So, uh, look, you know, if we keep talking about Quincy Wilson and Tease Tabor and Sidney Jones, Desmond King, but a, a cornerback that really needs some more love is is Tredavious uh, White, who's, who's playing really good for LSU. Joe, I'm going to talk about a quarterback. There's a quarterback that, that needs some affection on the show. He's actually somebody that um, NFL Network's Bucky Brooks gave some love to. And that is the quarterback from the uh, the Washington State-Colorado game. Of course, I'm not talking about Luke Falk. I'm talking about Sifo Liafu. Sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to do our research on this one. But uh, number 13 had over 300 yards passing and over 100 yards rushing. Uh, really tough kid. He slapped together really well. Uh, looks the part as far as the eyeball test. Uh, arm strength is good. He's able to zip the ball around and, and get it to layers of the field pretty effectively. Uh, his accuracy was problematic in this game, but the overall composure and control that he brought to the offense, and uh, I mean, that was a pretty back and forth game uh, through three and a half quarters or so, and he was in complete control, uh, beat Washington State with his legs. Uh, and again, the, the passing yardage, he had some nice air yards. Uh, this this was not a Deshaun Watson type game where you drop it in the flat and let a guy run for 50 yards. Um, but we'll talk about Deshaun a little later in the week, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So, Oh, yes. Um, little tease for you guys. Sifo uh, had a nice, nice game. And I know uh, Bucky Brooks made a comment on one of his blogs for NFL.com that had mentioned that uh, scouts were saying that, that you know this this is a guy to watch. This is a guy to star, and, and I would agree um, by and large, just because it was a really strong performance. But uh, he missed some throws. Uh, he missed some easy throws, some some intermediate and short throws uh, to the to the far sideline, outside the numbers. Uh, did not throw particularly accurately on the accurate on the run. Uh, 
Um, but I, I, I like the composure, the control, and the overall blend of arm strength, uh, cerebral ability, making good decisions with the football, and his ability to extend plays and run with his legs uh, combined with the frame that he has. It's a really likable package. So, um, you know, Colorado's a top 10 team, so we got to start paying attention yep. to some of these guys. Yeah. And sure uh, interested to see how uh, the end of their season plays out if they make a, a push for the Rose Bowl and the, the Pac-12 championship game. And So we'll get some, some big stages to get another chance at uh, seeing Sifo Liafu. Is that what I said the first time? I don't know. <laughs> He's he. That's a that's a mouthful. So I'm going to work on that one. I promise. Yeah, and Colorado controls their own destiny if they beat Utah on Friday. I believe uh, they're playing for the Pac-12 championship. So uh, that's awesome. I, I love to see them uh, turn things around. I remember days of Cordell Stewart uh, back when they were a very good uh, program. Uh, I'm going to give some love to a quarterback, and it's one that we have talked about, and uh, a guy that we've dogged. Uh, and that's Josh Dobbs out of uh, Tennessee. Um, he has become the player over the last three weeks that I think Tennessee was hoping he would be uh, the entire season. Um, the last uh, three weeks combined, he's competing, completing 73% of his passes. But I want to focus on the last two SEC games against Kentucky and Missouri. Uh, he's competing 66% of his passes, 546 yards, six one interception, and then he's the dual threat guy on uh, 24 carries over the last two games. He has 337 yards and four touchdowns. So, uh, you know, look, Josh Dobbs is uh, not a guy that I think anyone's going to pound the table for early in the draft or anything like that, but in terms of a dual threat guy that you can have packages for, and uh, look what Buffalo's doing with Tyrod Taylor, a guy who doesn't really uh, uh, do everything right, but uh, they're able to build an offense around what he can do well. And, um, you know, Dobbs has some physical upside. And, look, I'm not sitting here. I don't want to overstate this love for Josh Dobbs. But over the last three weeks, he's really become the player that he should have been all year and that the player that uh, Tennessee was hoping he would be because he's playing some really good ball over the last few weeks, putting the team on his back and coming away with uh, three consecutive wins for the Vols. Yeah, he's he's a really sharp guy, too. I know we did some, some background information on him, and he's got, what, some astro... Physics. Oh yeah, he's an aeros- yeah. aerospace engineer. Yeah. yeah, so it's a really smart guy, and of course, it doesn't hurt that he's playing Kentucky and Missouri, Joe. Uh, you had to. You uh, had I got to throw, I gotta throw a little dirt yeah. on the fire, you know. Yeah, look, I just you know he, he's a guy you want to root for, and look, Albert Einstein wouldn't have been a good football player. So you know the whole smart guy thing is a little overstated, but. Um, uh, you know, look, I want to give him some love. You know, like it's it's not always easy to to dog guys. You know, so when they when they turn things around, I you know, I want to send him some love. Oh, absolutely. You know, he's he's certainly put that offense on his back, and you know, has really elevated the play. Uh, with with them losing some key cogs on the offensive and defensive side. So, Josh Malone, the wide receiver, is really continuing to show a lot of nice traits. Dude, you know, Malone was a guy I did when we were doing game reports earlier this year for NDT. Yeah. Um, I did two Tennessee games, and Malone was a guy that popped both times. Yep. Uh, he he's a nice football player, he's a junior. Um, be interesting to see uh, a lot of these wide receivers because there's a lot of them um, that are talented and gifted players physically, and uh, just a question of who's going to roll the dice. And uh, hopefully, we don't see the continued inflated numbers as far as underclassmen declarations that we've seen the past couple years, and uh, will certainly give us ample 
things to discuss when that time comes by the time that deadline passes on January 15th. Um, I want to show some love to an offensive lineman on today's yeah. prospect recap. Joe, this is one of your guys. Uh, Ohio, yes. State's, uh, Ohio State's Pat Elfling. He dogged people this weekend. Now, Grant, Michigan State did not have Malik McDowell on the defensive line, um, but he was in guys' faces. He was uprooting guys consistently, getting push and movement, burying guys and finishing blocks. You know, that, that nasty offensive lineman demeanor uh, where you got a guy and you, you knock him off balance and he, he kind of stumbles and you take advantage of it and you you stick your face mask right in his chest and really finish the play and make sure he doesn't want to get up. He showed a lot of that. And it's nice to see because you know, I was kind of lukewarm on his guard tape, and now he's moved to set. He's like a really physical center. Um, was not necessarily the most overwhelming uh, as far as his physicality at guard, but as centers go, I think it's a nice step up for him in that direction, and I think I'm probably going to like him a good deal more at center than I did at guard. Uh, but he deserves a lot of love on the show for just how nasty he was. He really helped set the tone for Ohio State being able to run the ball and uh, finish that game off in a really tough, tight, contested uh, Big Ten uh, contest against Michigan State this past weekend. You know, you mentioned Malik McDowell, and um, man, I would have loved to see him play against Elfline, and uh, so we, we, we were robbed of that opportunity because Malik McDowell was out with injury. And then early in the season, uh, I wanted to see Dan Feeney, the Indiana guard, versus uh, Malik McDowell, and Dan Feeney wasn't healthy that that game. So that was some good tape that I was uh, hoping to get, but we, we are robbed uh, due to injuries this year. Why can't we have Last- nice things? Man, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, me and you, we, we do ruin some stuff. That, I mean, <laughs> we are so snake fit on this show. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Um, well, uh, with caution, I will praise Juju Smith-Schuster as my last guy I wanted to, uh, to mention tonight. Um, I'll tell you what. Smith-Schuster's really turning it on as the season goes. Started slow against Alabama. You know, obviously, I think with the quarterback was uh, Brown at that point, and he he wasn't ready to play. And now that Darnold's in there, he's got some chemistry going. And I really like the traits that I'm seeing from uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he runs good routes. He's got the big physical frame. I think he's 6'2". 220. He's, his arms look really long, uh, so I think he probably plays like he's a, more like 6'4 with the catch radius and length that he offers. Uh, he was able to, to make some very nice catches in that game against UCLA through contact, uh, showing good concentration, body control. You know, but they're, they're one rep, the, the long pass, the 30-plus yard completion, where Fabian Morrow played with pretty good trail technique and still uh, got his hand in there and tried to pry the ball away, but Smith-Schuster was just able to just clamp that thing in there and that's what I want to see I want to see that my ball mentality and nobody's freaking taking it away from me from receivers and uh you know he battled through some injuries early in that game to finish and uh I I really like a lot of the traits that I'm seeing here from Smith Schuster obviously had the big big season last year um and uh you know he's turning it on here and 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 from a traits perspective I think he rivals anyone in this last at wide receiver so um, he might dip a little because the production hasn't been there, the consistency a little bit. But from a traits perspective, like I said, I think he's up there with anyone in this class. Yeah, I really like seeing him come back and finish that game. Yeah. And that uh, that long reception that you mentioned gave me a lot of uh, 
lot of parallels to Des Bryant as far as the way he played that ball. And and physically fits that same style of play. I just want to see it on all the time. You know? Yep. So um definitely a lot to like there. And I, I think you're right that he's trending up. The arrow is pointing up there. Um with some competent quarterback play, he's really turning it on. I know he hasn't scored a touchdown in a couple weeks, but and he's actually statistically had a, a relatively quiet last three weeks, but uh, was a really big factor early on in this UCLA game and helped UC, USC get out in front uh, and then obviously was shook up and, and came back and finished the game and had a couple more receptions. So I uh, want to continue to see him play healthy and, and really continue this strong play and make a push here as we get into the bowl season. My last guy is a name that we've talked about a bunch on the show. Uh, we actually talked about him a little bit last week on Factor Fiction, and that is Oklahoma Sooner running back Joe Mixon. Uh, Sooners put the smack down on West Virginia this past weekend. Uh, 56 points scored. Of course, a lot of that was uh, courtesy of West Virginia. Uh, they, they had a hard time um, finishing drives, gave away some points in the red zone, two fumbles inside the five. Um, but, man, Mixon, uh, it's snow game. It was snowing for a couple of these games, so that was fun. Uh, Michigan and West Virginia got dumped on with a, a good amount of snow, precipitation, and um, Mixon ran hard. Uh, 24 carries, 147 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, not necessarily the most involved he's been in the passing game. The previous game against Baylor, Mixon had 5 for 63 as a receiver. Uh, he only had one catch in this game. But I really love the overall blend that he has as far as his skill set. He's got over 1,000 yards rushing. He's averaging almost 7 yards carry. um, 1,500-plus total yards from the scrimmage. And um, the the big question that we had on him uh, last week on Factor Fiction was, uh, where is his off the field and where is somebody going to take the cheese? Uh, Well, if he keeps playing like this and he decides to come out, uh, he's going to continue to make it really hard uh, for decision makers to look the other way because he's got it all, man. He's got burst. He's got size and thickness, um, good leg drive and power. He's listed at 6'1", 226. He's got breakaway speed. Uh, soft hands can catch the ball. Uh, has handled a couple returns. Um, has a passing touchdown this year. How about that? He's got 648 passer rating, Joe. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17 